Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing character of wargaming in the mortal realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Priority Roll. My name is Dan and today I'm joined by the infamous Adam Mumford to talk about the brand new army taking the tournament scene by storm. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the beginning of the Cockatrice meta. Welcome, Adam. Hello, how are you? I'm living the dream as ever and I'm really excited to talk about this <laughs> this list. <laughs> this, this absolute list that you've got going on. It's amazing, right? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. As soon as I saw it, I saw someone pay, pay, post the picture of like all the cockatrices lined up on the edge of the board and i was just like who is this hero and then um i went on twitter to find out it was you and i just thought nope that that makes complete sense yep absolutely I i'm not surprised at all so <laughs> before we get talking about your mad cockatrices just just to f- confirm how many in the list uh at the the newest rendition of the list is 15 oh goodness if you go for the uh extreme you can actually fit 19 in right so but my one at the moment has 15 so yeah cool so um before we kind of begin in earnest do you want to introduce yourself who are you adam and why are you here uh i am adam and i play lots of warhammer with weird and wonderful lists uh notably i I have to say mainly deepkin which is super unoriginal and it's only in the last like six months that i've become actually good at warhammer and trying other things um because i've been playing warhammer on easy mode for the last two years uh because i like striking first and attacking with millions of attacks when no one else wants to um but yeah i'm, I'm from plymouth i'm part of the uh, plymouth troll slayers club uh me and a couple of mates started that in september-ish so a r- relatively new club um and we like to go to tournaments get drunk play warhammer and try and do some good stuff so yeah that's, that's about it really not so awesome. interesting <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're into Warhammer and you like taking crazy lists. That's interesting enough for me. All right. Uh, well, spam lists. Cause... Spam lists. Oh, hey, listen. Yeah, you know, right. I, I took pterodons that, um, and I'm still dining off that. Um, so, right. Let's just kind of ask the question that needs to be asked. What on earth was going on? What possessed you to do this list? Um, I, I think a mixture of going a little bit mental from lockdown. Uh, so living on my own for a while in my tiny tiny studio flat i think got to me a little bit um and then i i found the uh the wonders of uh, tabletop simulator and oh my god does that open up a can of worms uh so i started playing lots of games on tabletop simulator uh played against um luke morton quite a lot and he took some horrendous night horn chain gas spam lists um and that kind of got the uh, ideas flowing of ah. Uh, if you can spam lots of units of chain gas, what else can you spam and make funny? Um, so it started off with, I started spamming loads of big stabbers, uh, which was hilarious, but also terrible. I ended up buying that army as well. Um, and then I started running a load of tabletop simulator tournaments uh, and was seeing some weird and wonderful lists come from that. And then I stopped doing those. And then Owen Jackson decided to uh, take up that sort of torch from me. And uh, he, he ran... Uh, his hammer time events on tabletop simulator if you've seen those um those have some really interesting lists in and the very first one he invited me to uh jump on and uh i decided to have a look at the beast of chaos book because uh, i think it was darren watson mentioned to me that cockatrices were only 90 points and you can fit quite a lot in a list when your battle line is only 60 points so ran that on owen's tabletop simulator event and it didn't do horrendously and then i ended up kind of buying it 
because, well, I'm a madman. And it wasn't me that bought it. It was actually my mate that bought it for me because he hates to see me uh, play Deepkin. But yeah, that's how this <laughs> came about. I, I, love, I love how someone's willing to like, you know, put that much amount of money, you know, into your hobby for on your behalf just to stop you playing Eidneth Deepkin. That's, that's dedication. I like it. Yeah. So um, yeah. this does actually kind of draw into a kind of wider point before we go talk about the, the madness of this list itself, about the impact of tabletop t- uh simulator on the kind of psyche of list building and we've seen some really extreme lists being used on tabletop simulator and i think a great example of that is that the seraphon book arrived just as lockdown started and the kind of surge in popularity of tabletop simulator and salamanders was one of the obvious kind of you know big big winners of of that time um and they've since been amended slightly with a with a points uh tweak but not enough (laughs) <laughs> not enough potentially um but also like you were seeing people just spamming salamanders now yes. no one had this amount of salamanders in real life and they didn't need to because they could just add it with ease and i think it it, it does kind of beg the question of like what would the meta look like if you reduced the cost of building in time painting in time but also the financial outlay of models what would the meta look like and i guess you're kind of beginning to see it in the tabletop simulator meta about how people are are willing to try new things that might be terrible i guess like your big stamper thing and i know you said you you've um you've been quite lucky in that you know in terms of financial outlay outlay in that you know your cross army was bought or the cockatrices were at least bought uh, for you by someone but yes i suppose not everyone's lucky enough to have generous friends like that so if if people don't have to invest all this money and time into things like they're going to be braver with the lists and they're going to say i'm going to go to that event because it doesn't need to it doesn't need a three-hour drive and a 200 pounds worth of hotels and everything like that it just means i can play it online instantly and try something without all this kind of investment and i think that's that that's really healthy to see how kind of people try new things yeah definitely it was um like the cost of stuff is a, a big one for me because um I'm a, I'm a lowly student still so living on uh basically eating noodles and playing one army for the last two and a bit years um and i've never been able to try something new because of the cost of because warhammer is expensive it is a luxury hobby that um when people moan about the price they can you know you know they can charge what they want and that that is one of those things that i i struggled to get some new stuff because obviously the price so when obviously i started playing tabletop simulator i thought well i don't want to play the same army that i've been playing for the last two years and the reason i've been playing it is because of money and now money's not an issue. I can run whatever I like. So I ended up running, I think I've played pretty much every army available on Tabletop Simulator. And it's really sort of broadened horizons of my game play as well, I think. So it's, it's quite interesting what you can do with TTS. Um, and you can build weird and wacky things. Um, and yeah, there's been some weird lists that you'd never see um, in competitive things. Because obviously, if you're throwing out money into this hobby... You generally, uh, what a lot of people do, if they're strapped for cash and can only afford X amount of uh, models a year, for example, they potentially just look online, find a list that's done really well, copy paste it and go, right, I want to do well this year. I'm just going to buy that because I know it's going to be good. Yeah, you're, you're mitigating risk, aren't you? You're putting money into something and you want to know that it's good. And if you're not the kind of person that's really good at, at kind of stats and analysis and understanding the game and all the intricacies of it, you just want to play it at kind of a surface level with something that you know has got some legs, then 
that's when people kind of look towards the internet for i know the, the term netlist gets chucked around quite a lot and it isn't necessarily a bad thing because i am a shameless netlist a shameless netlist i will netlist for days if someone's made something amazing online i will 100 percent steal your idea and buy it myself there's no shame in it no, I, 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 just, I, I think it, you know, for some people, kind of breaking the game's the wrong phrase, but they're kind of like getting hold of the battle tome and kind of ripping it apart and seeing what works. That's part of the fun. Whereas for some people, don't enjoy that, and and actually, you know, some people aren't aren't very good at it. I, I'm one of them. I, I'm terrible at kind of comparing, um, you know, unit unit versus unit, and really kind of getting to grips with that. I quite like silly combos and. I, I guess spamming spamming effective things um which is i guess which kind of something you've done here potentially um so i i, I can see the value in like looking to the internet for inspiration um, what i like then doing is then maybe going down a theme slightly so adapt you know using that netlist as a as a base as a core and then adapting it to my own style from there yeah definitely um I, I, I'm worse. I will 100% just steal something, not change it at all, because I've genuinely no interest in the law. Um, I enjoy the game as a game, and it, it does sound kind of bad, but I genuinely don't care for the law. It's not something that interests me. I'm not into that sort of thing. So the game for me is essentially like chess. So I pick out a game, I play it, and that's what I enjoy. So when when um, you get like the, 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 the net list, for example, um, I will 100% just copy it and play it. And that's partly because I'm slightly scared to play something else. Um, so, for example, like if I'm going to drop three hundred pounds in something, I really, really want it to be good. And even I really enjoyed the going through the battle tome. Like you were saying, you don't enjoy that. I love going through the battle tome, trying to break it. But then I get too scared to think that. Oh no! I, I also bad. enjoy it. I'm oh, just not very good at it. <laughs> see, I, I I enjoy it. I feel I'm pretty good with it because i'll help loads of other people with their lists but when it comes to my own list i'm actually almost too scared to think that my combo that probably is really good isn't good and then don't ever play it but that's what tabletop simulator has allowed me to do it's allowed me to i think try new things try these new lists and it's allowed me to uh, almost um build my confidence in my list building if that makes any sense yeah absolutely so yeah it's a bit if it, i think a lot of people i think the start of lockdown were a little bit uh almost scared of tabletop simulator or not scared i think that's the wrong word but were um oh, i can't think of a word for it but well, re- reticent really... to get involved and a bit cautious yeah because I, I was to start with but then you know i, I sort of was like ah, oh, why not i'll just download it and see what it's about um but it actually allowed me to i think get, become a better gamer because it allowed me to try loads of new stuff yeah and i think i was in a similar position i i think um you know for me the the social aspect of the game and the kind of the tangible bit of warhammer is um like the physical component of it is is part of is so much of the hobby for me and at the early stages of this year i was kind of happy just to kind of say hey do you know what tournaments aren't happening that's fine um you know I'm sure I'll get a chance to play a game at some point. Whereas now, now we're in you know October, and I still haven't played a game Warhammer for goodness knows how long. Yeah, um, so that's I've, I've I've bought Tabletop Simulator now. Um, having said that, I might might give it a go a few months ago. I've I've now committed to buying it. <laughs> yet to download it, install it on Steam, but uh, but watch this space. And maybe maybe Adam, we can have a we can have a game, and you can yes, uh, use your cockatrices against. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe. Uh, so this is a great a great point. I'd love to see how my old pterodon list would work out in the new book or or a version of. But I've sold my pterodons. So TTS is a great way for me to just say I don't need I don't want the army again. I just I'm just curious to see how it would play or how do I take that theme and build it better 
in this new book. Yeah, definitely. Um, there, there was, um, for example, so obviously I've already mentioned that I've played Deepkin for ages. There was a list that I've always wanted to try, which had 90 thralls in, because um, obviously the book is essentially Morsar Guard and a king. Um, and I've always been interested because the Namati Thrall War Scroll is incredible. It is a brilliant war scroll. The the I think there are 120 points now for 10 of them. Um for the price of that you just get in really good stats and I was like, "Oh, I wonder if this would actually work." And I'll be honest with you, it didn't, but it didn't do as badly as I thought it was going to do. But it meant I didn't invest into 90 thralls, which is a lot of money. I mean, a 30 pound for 10, so it meant I could try it and realize it didn't work and it meant I didn't almost waste like 400 quid on or 300 pounds on how on, on a bit of a, on a bit of a meme list yeah exactly um and then there's been other things where i've tried i've tried a different list and actually it's it's worked and then i've actually bought it over lockdown so it's um i think it's a really good tool for uh learning the game as well so or not learning the game but uh reinforcing your abilities in your list building uh, trying out a new style of gaming because i've always felt i'm a very um reactive player um so during like a my games, I will definitely wait until someone's done something before I commit anything, um, which is obviously a bit weird for a deep pin player. Um, but that's how I've always played. And then on here, I've tried different play styles. So I've tried defensive list, realized I'm not very good with defensive armies, so bend them off. Um, so it's just been really nice to sort of experience new lists. And you, you, when you're talking about the social aspect, um, I, I've actually found that tabletop simulator has given me that social sort of thing again during lockdown, because like I was saying, I was living on my own in a little student studio where I literally have four walls and a bed and a tiny, tiny kitchen. So to actually then be able to talk to random people online, make all these random new friends that I've never actually met or things, it's just been really cool to sort of um, meet a lot of the community without meeting them yeah definitely it's kind of using that that social aspect of the hobby but in a slightly different way in a new way it's because we we can't have those you know meeting engagements as as it were on across the tabletop so let's have them over over the uh the internet yeah definitely it's just been yeah it was a really cool time um luckily now for me i'm uh gaming again in real life so i've, ha- I've not had a lot of tabletop simulator action in the last few weeks but i kind of have because of this cockatrice list that i now have <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What a great segue. Let's talk about the list itself. So run me through what I mean, what is the kind of the, the OG list? I know you said you could get about 19 in there, but what would you what was the list you took to because you took this to a, a physical event, didn't you? Uh, I took it to Owen's uh, very first Hammer Time uh, event on Tabletop Simulator. Uh, so it was I, it was originally just a Tabletop Simulator list. I took to a tournament on Tabletop Simulator um, and I, I managed to go get two wins out of it, which was more than I thought I was going to get. I managed to beat Fire Slayers and Seraphon, which really sort of cemented that maybe this isn't terrible. Um, and the original list was, uh, if I remember rightly, it was a Beast Lord, like the generic, I can't remember exactly, I think it's, a, I think it's just Beast Lord. Uh, Bellacore, because if you don't have Bellacore in a Chaos list, what are you doing? He's the best war scroll out there right now, in my opinion. Uh, three units of 10 Ungors, because they're 60 points for 10, and a great screen. Also great to feed into your fire, um, because that's all Ungor are there for. Um, you can't see what I'm doing, but I was genuinely doing a shoveling action then for some reason. Um, uh, <laughs> Excellent radio. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then you, you, I had two Jabba Slides, because the, I wanted to try out the Jabba Slide war scroll, because it's a really interesting war scroll, because it does... Um, 
So when it takes uh, wounds on a four plus, it bounces a mortal wound back. So it's got 10 wounds on its profile. I think it's 10, might be 12. I'm pretty sure it's 10 wounds. Um, but So that's five wounds yeah, going back. So five mortal wounds bouncing back to them. And that's obviously only if you fail its, I think, four plus armor save. So it's got a four up save as it is. And then every time it takes a wound on a four plus, it does a mortal wound back. So it's quite a, when you hit it, it's almost, a, it gives that more risk versus reward of charging into the, the Jabba Slife. And it's quite a big base, so it covers a bit of board space. It's quite an interesting model to uh, use. And then we get to the uh, the best part of the list, the uh, sort of cherry on top, which is uh, was 13 cockatrices. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was interesting. 13 cockatrices flying around the board is amazing uh, because they've got a cheeky little shooting ability. So it's a 10-inch range. Um, you choose an, uh, a unit within 10 inches, and on a four plus, just do D6 mortal wounds. So it's not a hit. So if they've got minus one to hit on them, it doesn't affect that roll. So they're always on that four plus does a D6 mortal wounds. And if you've got 13 of them, then six or seven are doing D6 mortal wounds, which is a lot of mortal wounds. Yeah, that's uh, that's impressive. So how so was it just the fact that they had this kind of instant insta hit type attack that was mortal wounds? Was was that it? Was it just kind of a, a cheat war scroll that you could spam? Uh, it's got fly and it's got high movement with this with this mortal wound output. Was that what kind of what kind of was that was that it really? Essentially, yeah. So we. Um, I went through it like just loads of different books, uh, loads of different uh, war scrolls and was essentially going through each book and finding out their cheapest war scroll that they had and what it did. But it had to be units that came in ones or twos was the sort of idea of, of this at the time. Um, so if a unit was cheap and came in a unit of one or two models, um, then you could literally just spam that war scroll and the board presence of that, no matter what it is, it could even be a terrible, terrible war scroll, but the board presence of it is mental. Um, so I eventually I looked through loads of lists, so that's what, how the Stabber list came about. I think I started that. That was, a I think, they're 100 points for two, and I think I had uh, 16 of them in units of two. Uh, obviously, I, pl I played Luke Morton with his chain gas list and he had a bajillion of them in units of two um there was a there was the rattling gun list that we had a look at that i had a look at which was 20 something rattling guns and they're all in units of one um so and then i found the i think it was darren watson like i said earlier was that pointed out to me the cockatrice war scroll which was 90 points for a monster which is also quite uh, key that I'll explain in a minute. Um, but yeah, so and that's, and that's a monster, not a behemoth. Yeah, monster, yeah. not behemoth, um, which means in focal points, when you score additional points for having a monster on the objective, you've got 13 of, well, 15, including the Jabba Slives, um, models that can just sit on the objective and score an extra point. So in your first turn, you can score uh, seven points and your opponent can essentially only score four. Yeah, that's um, that's quite tasty. And, you know, even if you're just doing plain averages, you're doing 22.75 mortal wounds, you know, let's call it 23, 23 mortal wounds on a turn. And yes, you've obviously got the kind of normal distribution curve, but there's there's an absolute possibility that that could go, you know, fairly apocalyptic. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those, um, if you, if you almost talk about it in any other list, so like, uh, Luminef Realm Lords are doing 30 odd mortal wounds a turn. The internet will say they're broken. Uh, Seraphon, for example, are doing, uh, like 18, 19 mortal wounds in the, uh, hero phase. People are calling that broken. Um, but luckily for me, if you play Cockatrices 
everyone just thinks it's hilarious. But you, your maximum output is 78 mortal wounds. Yes. And um, that's just the cockatrices. That's not, you know, plus you're doing uh, 10 mortal wounds off the back of um, your jabber slides, right? Yes. Yeah. Because you do five each, theoretically, because it's on a four plus. Yeah. And I mean, if you spike again, that's potentially another, if, if you add everything together. So okay. You, yeah. Let's say, let's you know. say you, yeah, of course. So we're, we're doing max caps, aren't we? So you do 10 mortal wounds off your cockatrices, another 10, so 20 in total, 98 mortal wounds. Potentially in a single turn. Yeah. In a single turn. And what's your, what's your beast lord got? What can he do? If I'm honest, he does absolutely nothing for the list. He's just a cheap HQ, is he? Um, he yeah, he was just there because um, he was 90 points and I couldn't quite afford the Bray Shaman. Mm. I don't even know what the command trait does on him. Um, and what about Bellacor? Uh, so Bellacor, obviously, you can just throw out an Arcane Bolt if you want to. So that's another one to D3 mortal wounds. But that's more than likely getting dispelled in the current meta in air quotation marks that we're in um but bellicor was in the list because of his obviously ability to shut down an entire unit for a turn yeah um which is just horrendous and, um, and what would you what what's what tends to be your target for that um so it really depends what i'm playing against uh obvi- well, obviously um but generic examples uh against fire slayers the block a, a block of 20 hearthguard berserkers because that just cripples them for a turn and they're relatively slow is it well they're not slow for one turn but after that turn of they get the run and charge or whatever it is they are relatively slow so if you shut down hearthguard berserkers for a turn they just they're sort of out of the game um you can you do it to things like croak techless the big characters the that big threat or you do it to that one big unit that you know they really want to throw in your face in that turn you you can almost you can also make a mistake and then you know they're going to do something with that unit and go right now i'm activating it okay cool Right, I'm safe in a turn. I've made a mistake, but I'm now okay. Right, so it's almost so a it's it's a bit. It's not only is it a way to, I guess, kick the stool out from under your opponent for one of their kind of high value units, but it's also a way, a bit of a safety net for you as a player to afford to play maybe slightly risky gambles. Yeah, it's, it definitely is. It's also a how I've been, I've been trying to look into the a double term protection um, because I've been with, I think with the cockatrice list that I've been playing, it was, it's been, it gets really punished if I get double turned because I can clear my screen, hit the cockatrices and the cockatrices are terrible. They've they're eight wounds with a six plus save. So one unit can multi tag a number of cockatrices and literally kill all of them. So I've been trying to work out ways of preventing, making that double turn less desirable to my opponent. Um, it's why in the newest list, I've actually added a couple of endless spells just to throw out for that little bit of extra double turn protection. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. So you've, you've spoken about Beast Lord Bellacor, three times 10 Ungors, 13 Cockatrices and two Jabber Slides for 2,000 points. How has the list progressed? How has it evolved? Um, so the second list, the second variation, um, well, what was actually the original list, but I didn't play it, but then played it, if that makes any sense. Um, so the original list was actually uh, a Bray Shaman, uh, got rid of Bellacor, uh, which, was, which was a mistake, uh, three times 10 Ungor, and then 19 Cockatrices to try and even like basically just lean into something and go, you know what, get rid of everything else and just see what happens here. Um, I tried it with one list, uh, one playthrough. It did okay, but it just didn't have any tricks to it. So it was very obvious on what I was doing. So then I moved on to the list that I'm currently playing. And the reason this list came about was actually because uh, I was supposed to be, 
I was I was running a tournament in physical. So it was a two weeks ago. I had a tournament that I was running down in Plymouth, um, and I had to be the spare player. The cockatrices had arrived, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to build them all and try and get them on the table for this three-game tournament. And my last cockatrice that I needed didn't arrive, so I only had 15 and not 16. So I had to work out what to do. So I threw. So the list uh, that I took to that tournament was a Bray Shaman, uh, Bellacor, because we put Bellacor back in because it was such a mistake to take him out because he is incredible. Three times ten Ungor again, and fifteen cockatrices, a purple sun, and the Geminids. Um, so the endless spells that. Uh, so I've taken out the Jabba's lives because as much as the Jabba's lives were good, they just weren't really doing anything. So like they did that four plus mortal wound bounce back, but it just didn't seem to, for me, it just never worked because apparently I can't roll dice very well. Yeah. And, and also when you're looking at a, a Jabba's life over its lifetime, it's going to do, you know, let's be realistic. It's going to do kind of five wounds or so, right? On, on average. And that's yeah. what, like 160 points? Yeah, I think they're 160 points. So that's, so that's, that's nearly two cockatrices. Yeah. And bearing in mind they could they could do that five wounds in one yeah. turn. Yeah, exactly. You know, obviously you know, again, let's let's not be let's not be silly and compare averages with with extremes. So let's you know, three point five wounds a turn, but you're getting two uh, nearly two of those. Yeah. So you're kind of getting to that, you know, and I can't be able to do the 90%, 90 divided by 160, whatever, and work out what, what it is point for point. But I think it's safe to say that not only that, actually, um, your cockatrice is doing it at range. Yeah. They're doing it at 22-inch threat range because you've got 12-inch move and a 10-inch um, uh, range on the attack, haven't you? Yes. Whereas your Jabba Slythe, it's only doing it when your opponent attacks it in yeah. hand-to-hand combat. So there's, there's there's so many like what ifs on the Jabba slides. I'm I'm not surprised you ha- you've got rid of them. I mean, uh, so I do sometimes miss them for that almost extra green um, because they were a nice threat to take away the pressure from the cockatrices. But actually, they weren't. They just weren't doing quite enough. Um, and I was glad I tried them, but they didn't quite work. And also, they're forty five pounds for one, whereas a cockatrice is twenty two pounds fifty for one. So even in the math of the money wise. I got two for the price of one, right? Yeah, there we uh, go. <laughs> and that's so, just maths. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so is there something that you would consider taking? If we're talking about tuning the list, um, if you couldn't replace your Jabba, if you couldn't replace 320 points worth of Jabba's lives with more cockatrices, what else do you have in the book that you might consider? And you're saying potentially that it doesn't have that kind of high threat, high damage scare factor you know the distraction can't affect style thing yeah so the the one that i've actually been looking at that i'm i was i'm gonna more than likely buy um so is ungor raiders so uh for so in the list i've just spoken about obviously i had 15 cockatrices um you drop one cockatrice um which leaves you with x amount of points i think you take out the purple sun as well but you then take you give yourself uh 20 ungor raiders in two units of 10 now ungor raiders have a really nice ability um to do a six inch pre-game move which as i think many podcasts have said recently uh that pre-game moves are amazing and that's because they are especially against things like Karadran overlords uh because obviously they teleport nine away from you and then shoot you so it gives you that extra six inches that they've got to go further away 
then you've got your Ungol Raider screen behind, and then you've got your Cockatrices. So that's, I think that's the next part of the list that I'm going to look into is the Ungol Raiders, because that six-inch pregame move is amazing. It's why a lot of, you see a lot of Slaves to Darkness lists taking the Untamed Beasts. Yeah, I, th- I think the Untamed Beasts are quite a, a nice little thing for Slaves of Darkness, and you've got some, some of the Eshin units in Skaven. Um, yeah. Have got, have got that as well. Is it Shadow Runners or Gutter Runners? I, I lose track of it. It's one of the runners um and you've got things like it's just it's just taking the screen thing up to 11 isn't it yeah definitely yeah. i think bone splitters well bone splitters do it as well they get like half their army can go five inches forwards um so there's a lot of um armies that are doing it and i was looking through the book saw ungle raiders was really annoyed that they weren't battle line um so that's why they've not been in the list yet but i think they're definitely the where the list goes next so do you, um, do you think does that give you two layers of screen do you put your ungle's sort of screen one and then your ungle raiders you know all, all the way around you know your, your ungle raiders are your first line and then your ungles are your second line and then it allows you to pew pew your cockatrices from behind like a double screen or do you just kind of use the raiders to push out and use the ungles in kind of a, a sort of semi-layered but essentially it's still one screen yeah so the, the i definitely use them as a double screen so you have the well, it also depends who I'm playing against because obviously I can um, also do Bray Ambush with them, but I'll talk about that in two seconds. You've got the... So my main thought process with this was I was actually playing against Slanesh um, over on... The, it was my third game at the tournament. I was playing against the Slanesh army and he hit my Ungor ungor screen uh in turn one and it was loads of chariots and they just did all these pre or after charge mortal wounds. So all these mortal wounds just came in and the first layer of screen just completely died which would meant that all my cockatrices were then out in the open where they could just pile in and start attacking them so it was it was because of the fact that like there's a lot of units now that after they charge they do mortal wounds so things like ogres when ogres charge they roll whatever they charge rolled every four plus is a mortal wound which would really mess up the screen which then means they just pile in around and get into the good stuff so that gives you so the Ungol Raiders gives you that next six inch, uh, six inches of screen essentially. So even if they kill all of them pre-charge, they then go three, and they still not even hit your screen. So and that's that's a decent way to kind of prevent your cockatrice because, as you say, they're so fragile. Oh, they literally die to paper because obviously the six up save. A lot of things have minus one rend. So even if someone's only got, I say only. Do you remember when a time when a minus one rend was a rarity as it was? Uh, but <laughs> what, you mean Archeon sword? Yeah, exactly. So even Archeon could kill one. Um, so yeah, when when most of things in the game now have at least minus one rend, you know your cockatrices are not getting a save. Now, eight wounds is still surprisingly survivable. But when you come up against, uh, for example, I don't know, uh, Thralls, like I was talking about earlier, where they've got two attacks each, uh threes threes minus one which will be then two damage on thralls they can kill uh three cockatrices just 10 guys so you've yeah got really and even ten- like just a unit of like judicators or something yeah can can one shot a, a cockatrice yeah so they are assuming your sergeant hits with his uh, starvated arrow whatever it's called yeah but that never happens so we can that's true that. that's true <laughs> although starvated arrow i think that's the azeros isn't it you, you know what i mean the kind of sniper boat yeah. that the boss has um yeah, so but you've got you're looking at the kind of if you're looking at a squad of adjudicators on the back line, um, you're thinking, well, that's actually a potentially dead cockatrice turn. Yes, definitely, definitely. Which so that's where we come into the I think the second use for the Ungol Raiders. So if they've got a backline shooting threat, if you know they're not charging you turn one, 
So Stormcast, I think, is one of those armies that right now you've got the Anvil Guard list, or not the Anvil, yep. that's, that's Cities of Sigma. The the Anvils of Heldenhammer. That's the one, yeah, the one with the, the one drop, three Raptors, or three units of Raptors. You know they're probably not going to charge you because they want to shoot you off. So you can then, instead of deploying your Ungle Raiders as that first screen, you could actually deploy them off board using the Brayherd ambush and then in the second think it's the second turn or is it no it is the so the very first turn in the end of the movement phase they come on six inches from a board edge nine away from the enemy so it means that then they've got to deal with an ambushing threat as well as all these cockatrices so they know their shooting isn't safe it's not you know dead because these uh ambushing uncle raiders are still terrible but that's still three wounds ish that are probably going to take so it's that little bit of threat so i think that's where definitely where i've got to go with the Ungol Raiders. Yeah, I, I, and I think that the, your ability to project your force in with an outflanking threat is is really interesting because, as you say, it, your Brayherd, not your Brayherd, your, your Brayherd a- ambush with your uh, Ungol Raiders, they're, they're not doing anything special, are they? They're, they're what? They've got their kind of four up, four up, rend, dash, damage one bows, and then their, their, their jagged shanks are just five up, five up. There's, yeah. <laughs> they, they're doing... You know, not very much, but they're doing something. That's the problem. It's 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 not that they're incapable of of removing a unit. It's just that they're there. And then that then that unit of judicators is thinking like, okay, do I try and take out one of the cockatrices, or do I risk potentially losing one stormcast to a to to a jagged shank? Yeah, and then maybe rolling a six on uh, on bravery and losing another one. Yeah, definitely. It's also the uh, so if for shooting units. Like the Judicators, for example, there's only five of them. So whereas the Ungle Raiders is 10. So if they're sat on an object, trying to protect an objective at the back, they've then got 10 models compared to their five, which means even if I only put six on, get six on the objective, it's still mine, which means they then have to shoot them, which means they're not shooting the Cockatrices. So even if my Ungle Raiders literally do zero wounds, they've still got to deal with them because it's more bodies than they have. And yeah, absolutely. And, and not only that, but the fact that your opponent knows that you can do that is yet another thing on their mind so not only are they worrying about the potential for 98 mortal wounds or or, or 100 on the dot 101 101 dalmatians or 101 mortal wounds if if bellicor rolls his uh his 10 plus on his arcane bolt and then three on the d3 so you're talking you're telling your opponent oh i can do 101 mortal wounds in 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 my uh, a, a turn and your opponent's thinking goodness gracious that's a lot of mortal wounds and then you say oh and also i can infiltrate some dudes into your into your uh, deployment zone with break break herd ambush it and that's just suddenly out. like like mind blown of like okay I can I can cope with coming up with a cunning strategy how to deal with 101 mortal wounds a turn but then you're overlaying another another thing for them to think about yeah it gives that threat in uh, deployment as well so yeah because a lot of people what they do generally with ambushing units is they deploy them first as like a dead drop um so they'll deploy their uh whatever they can deploy off board they'll deploy it their very first unit because then they've deployed nothing and that means their opponent can't see what they've done it's asking your opponent to show their hand before you get to really show yours in this list when i'm 19 20 drops and most of the army is the exact same unit i really don't care if they see what i'm deploying because they yeah. know they know that my ungors are going out on a screen and they know my cockatrice is going behind so it means that i can actually leave the ungor raiders till my last one or or my last couple of drops and decide whether they need to ambush or but not it, it or tell your opponent that they could 
So and then you've got the best of both worlds. Your, your opponents had uh, mental pressure and potentially made some mistakes in deployment or deployed in a, in a way that's not ideal for them, but counteracts your, uh, your potential ambush. And so you've achieved that without actually having to ambush them. Yeah, potentially. Um, which also like that, that brings me kind of onto the, um, the summoning of the army, um, because obviously Beast of Chaos can also summon. Um, and you've probably not seen it a lot, but the, the, I think the Beast of Chaos summon is actually very, very good in this army. It's not very good in other armies uh, or in other Beast of Chaos variants because it's quite hard to get those points up. Um, but when it only co it costs three primordial points to get ten uh, Ungor and five to get another Cockatrice. Oh, um, so essentially you get one point a turn just for free. And then, like I was saying earlier, you can shovel guys into the flames, they take D3 mortal wounds, and that you get that many primordial points a turn. Um, and because of the... Is that per unit or per turn? You can only do that once. You can do you it can to one do, unit. Yeah, you can only do it to one unit, but you can do it. It just says, pick a... You have to have a character next to it, so that's where the Bray Shaman comes in. So you have the Bray Shaman next to the Herdstone, and then you pick a Beast of Chaos unit within three inches of the Herdstone, which means you can actually just sacrifice Cockatrices, and you can do D3 Mortals to them, which, when they've got eight wounds, really doesn't matter. And not only that, that they're not losing effectiveness as it gets damaged. Yeah. Um, you can also just do it to the Bray Herd Shaman. So the Bray Herd Shaman can just stick his arm in the Herdstone, burn himself with D3 Mortal Wounds, you get D3 summoning points. Um, so potentially... And how many, how many do you need for a cockatrice? At five. Five. So you get f you can potentially get four from that. But because of the uh, Bray Herd that I'm playing, which is I'm playing All Herd. So All Herd that has a command ability um, that it's a terrible command ability in other factions because they rely on their CPs for other things. But in this army, I literally have no reason really for my command abilities. I don't need them like it's nice to have one to every so often turn a run roll into a six. And you basically swap a, a command point for a primordial call point, right? Yeah, so I swap a command point, get a primordial point. So if I roll a three on that very first uh, uh, shoveling into the fire, I've got four, spend a command point, that gives me five. So on turn one, I can potentially summon another cockatrice. So do you get, do you get one a turn as well? Yeah, so you get the one a turn plus the D3 from killing your own guys. And then one for your CP. So yeah, that's a turn one cockatrice. That's amazing. And they just come on six inches from any board edge, nine away from the enemy. And because their shot is ten inches, they come on and can shoot. Oh, Adam, this is amazing. It's cheeky, isn't it? Yeah, that's cheeky. It's a bit naughty. Love it. Great shout. I love. I love how like I, we're we're like forty five minutes into this conversation about a silly cockatrice list and we've spoken about no, but this is what i love this is what i wanted to speak to you about because we we've, we've spoken about how like like the impact of tts on the kind of psyche of list building and we've spoken about like some really like sneaky kind of tactics of how to use ambushing units and things like that and like it is there's so much more to the army than just like lol cockatrices yeah i won't lie i've i've been on um so Obviously, on my Twitter account, I have just been making jokes about it, but I genuinely do think it's got something here, um, and it will be coming to tournaments with me where I do think I'm not going to be on the bottom tables. That's really interesting. Uh, maybe, how much is a cog trust? 22 quid? Yeah, £22.50. And if you've got a mate who uh, works offshore, he'd be nice enough to buy them for you. <laughs> <laughs> my mate uh, who bought them for me, uh, he's been offshore for three months 
and he got bored and he's the one who bought them for me um but he literally i messaged him saying oh seeming you're getting all this money and i taught you how to play warhammer uh why don't you buy me an army with sort of a winky face um which was complete joke did not mean this and i do want this to go out in public because he is an idiot for doing this <laughs> um, but obviously i appreciate it a lot um so yeah so he then sent me a screenshot of a receipt saying they'd be at gw plymouth uh within two days and i went i hate you so much but also i love him that's amazing <laughs> uh, and, and so we should massively shout out this guy who, who is this uh so this is uh matthew davies um so he's uh been playing for he's only been playing for eight months and he's a cheeky Sylvanath player but he's uh, doing really well with Sylvanath and not letting them die so if you ever want to know anything about Sylvanath don't ask him ask me instead because I told him everything <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he's a lovely bloke um, but also I hate him a lot because he spent a lot of money so it made me feel really bad <laughs> what, what a maniac but also what a hero we, lo- yeah, we love you absolute hero we love you thank you very much Matt um, right okay so what else do we need to know about this army what yes it dies to a stiff, stiff breeze but how, how how would you, if you were facing this army, how would you go about fighting it? Um, so if I was playing it, you have to get into it as soon as possible because the biggest threat from this army isn't the mortal wounds, it's the board presence. Um, so if you're playing something so on objectives, I can completely screen you out because I've got so many units. I can control the board space because you can't go within three of my units unless you charge. So if you, I can completely block you from moving essentially because you can't, if I put cockatrices in the right place, you can't go anywhere near them because obviously the rules say you've got to stay out of three inches unless you charge. So you've got to get into this army as quickly as possible and not even kill that much. Just stop me from kill the screens. As soon as you hit the cockatrices, they will just die. And if you can do that turn one, turn two, then it's re- it's an uphill struggle to get back. Um, but I have to say it is tough to kill all the cockatrices in a turn. Um, so yeah, I think the best way to kill it is alpha strike it or AOE mortal wounds because apparently I really don't like techless or zinch. Te- oh, and something like a celestant prime as well. Yeah. Or- a a toot toot hammer um what do you call it yep what, what are they called night heraldors uh, yeah the heraldor he hurts yeah. a lot it's the biggest one at the moment is the uh what's been coined as the technado uh throwing that umbral spell portal with techless into my army doing 18 inch doing an 18 inch bubble of d3 to d6 mortal wounds to every unit into 18 inches you can cripple my army turn one and potentially kill every single thing in turn two just by with one spell. Yeah, that's cheeky. So, yeah. But that's why we have Bellacor to stop Teclas from doing that. Like it. Like it. There we go. That's how to beat the list. So next time you're you're facing uh, facing him across the board, you if you if you're losing it, so it's your own fault for not listening to his advice. Exactly, exactly. And I will also a hundred percent as soon as competitive games come back, I will be taking this to as many tournaments as possible and seeing how well it does. I only expect to go three two at tournaments. I'm, it's definitely not a tournament winning army. I don't think it can quite get that four one. It will get four one if I'm lucky, but I think it's definitely that three two army that but if i get three two i'm gonna be over the moon with it but it's also hilarious as well it's absolutely hilarious it's an army it was essentially it's a drinking army as well because yeah it's something that you just need to roll four up and you're only four up and d6 or all all weekend long i mean i i did i think i've done the max mortal wounds i've done with it in a turn was 60 no 71 mortal wounds that's Um, that's that's insane 
and it killed an entire army pretty you much. Did, you did 71 mortal wounds. Yeah, yeah. With how many cockatrices? Uh, 13. I also, it was also... You know, 78 is the max. Yeah, I was, I have that to That is insane, statistically. It was with a purple sun as well. Okay, um, all right. So, so still... To, you know, so it was a purple sun plus the 13, 14 cockatrices plus, I think, an arcane bolt as well um and bearing in mind most armies at the moment are average 120 wounds that's a lot okay i happen to have su- searched cockatrices on ebay and <laughs> that there's there's no no secondhand cockatrices from um, i know it's horrendous there's also no th- there's barely any nice 3d prints that i could find which was really annoying because i was tragic really get a few 3d prints of them well um, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna you know run a silly list like this then you, you at least deserve to buy it Exactly, exactly. exactly. So you, you owe that to your opponents. <laughs> yep, I do have it. Right, it so is our Beasts of Chaos, is, is that, it's not really your jam, is it? You've just kind of explored this book just for that, the Cockatrice Lulls? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I never considered doing Beasts of Chaos at all, uh, because I... They, I'll be honest, uh, I, I, I am a very competitive gamer, and the book as a whole is probably one of the worst books in the game right now. Why is that? Um, they just, they don't have the output. Uh, so even like uh, their best stuff doesn't have the output. Um, the list that was doing well, whatever it was, was like the 18 Zangor thing, the Zangor Enlightened. Um, I just don't think it's got the effectiveness as it did. Um, I won't lie, this is all me looking at, lots of blogs and lots of different research things so me trying to talk about why something is terrible is really bad because i forget things i just remember the it isn't very good (laughs) um but it's it yeah i just don't think it's got the effectiveness of what it could have i mean there are definitely beasts of chaos players that are doing relatively well with it but if you look at any tournament stats right now it's just not coming in top anywhere so it wasn't something that i was going to look into i tend to look at stats look at go right these five books are in the top whatever i'm going to mainly focus on those um but then obviously tts came out and i thought why not let's just give it a go so that's how that's how we got into piece of chaos so uh, having briefly looked at brief piece of chaos now what would you change uh let's say you you get approached by games workshop to say hey you're cockatrice hero you're the hero that we all need what uh what can we do about the piece of chaos book what would you change um so first of all i think their sub factions are lacking massively um so for example, the one that I'm running all heard um, isn't the command ability is something like if you're in if you're the guy who is the general is in combat, then he's got an 18 inch aura of reroll charges. But that first of all means that he's uh, had to have charged, survived your turn and their turn or be charged, survived that turn. And then you get your bonus, which considering most command traits are, you know, a lot better than that, um, I think. I think it's just mainly the sub factions and some of the war scrolls are just they're, they're just lacking in a few things. But yeah, the biggest thing I think is the sub factions because like the all heard one as well. You have to spend a command point which are valued at fifty points to get a single summoning point. It could, would you would you see that you know changing to D three? I, I yeah D three D six. And I don't think, even D6, I don't think would break E6, it. come on, but you can get a cockatrice for, uh, how much is cockatrice? 90? Uh, yeah, 90 points. Yeah, so you could reasonably roll five on that, and suddenly you're 50 points. Hang on, uh, have you seen Legion of Chaos Ascendant? With uh, rolling 3d sticks. Yeah, yeah okay, fair, fair point. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> um, okay. Anything else? Um, honestly, I, if I'm honest with you, I haven't looked through the book as a whole. If I'm completely honest, so I haven't really looked at any other. No, fine, no, it wasn't. Um, um, uh, just, just kind of initial impressions. That's 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 fine. I think it is. Um, in my opinion, it is just the sub factions. I think the the 
they they're just lacking in if you compare them to any other sub faction in the game they just don't offer you anything and then they restrict your command ability command traits and artifact so it just kind of sucks really that you're forcing something that's not that good anyway and then they kind of make your characters a little bit worse makes sense makes sense cool Right, well, thanks very much for, for joining us, talking us all about the brand new Cockatrice meta that we're going to be seeing um, taking the tournament scene by storm. Any shout-outs? Uh, I've definitely got to give one, obviously, to Matt for 100% buying me this army. Um, obviously, this army wouldn't be possible without him because I, I am a little tiny student, still training to be a teacher, trying to make ends meet as it is. Um, and then he went out and bought his army, so he's the one that made it possible. And obviously, a shout-out to my club, Plymouth Troll Slayers, because... They're the ones that are going to have to bear the main brunt of this until I can go to tournaments. If people want to find you on Twitter, where can they find you? Where can they follow your uh, your escapades? Uh, I'm pretty sure my handle at the moment is at Troll Slayer Adam. It is indeed. Excellent. Wait, I've got it right. You have indeed. <laughs> I'm checking it now. Uh, and there you can see some hilarious um, pictures of uh, Adam's games. Uh, it is with- a lot more PC than I am in person because I am training to be a teacher. So if you are expecting some a lot of uh, puns on this army, you will be lacking because I can't say things like that online, unfortunately. <laughs> no, that makes sense. No, absolutely. And and is, is rightly so. I think social media is a, is a dangerous game when, uh, <laughs> when posting. Um, right. So two questions. You know what they're going to be. If you could protect or keep one thing about Age of Sigmar and that will and the rest of the game is going to change forever, what would you keep and protect? Um, I think the, the, the main thing that I would 100% keep is not limiting war scrolls. Uh, so in like, the, 40K, the, like the, the rule of three, like yeah, 40k has in 40k, you get the rule of three. If I had that, this army wouldn't be possible. So I 100% want to keep it the way it is and not limit people. Now, that, that seems like a slightly biased take. Um, 100% is. Do you uh, think that's healthy for the game? Uh, probably not, but I'm keeping it anyway because I have 20. 20- no, no, absolutely not. Uh, not to disagree with you or anything. It's to <laughs> see whether you do, can you see it being a problem. Do you think the rule of three, if you remove yourself and your kind of personal perspective from it, do you think rule of three it would be a good idea? Um, if I looked at it, I can see arguments for both. Um, even without the armies that I own, which are definitely not all spam armies, wink, wink. Um, I, I still think it would be okay because of the limited war scrolls that are in Age of Sigma. Because you've got armies like Lumineff, which have a limited war scrolls. Obviously, like Bone Reapers, they only have like five or six War Scrolls. Eels, for example, or Eidneth Deepkin, they're not just called Eels. Uh, they've only got like seven, eight War Scrolls. So I think if you put the war, Rule of Three in, you'd actually just get rid of armies. So I don't think it can be possible in Age of Sigmar, but I definitely, so I definitely want to keep it like it is. Cool, no problem. Right, next one. If you could only change one thing about Age of Sigmar and the rest of the game was going to stay the same forever, what would that be? Um. Uh, see, I've got... This is the hardest one, so I've actually got two. Uh, the first, I'm, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go two. Uh, but bound, bound Endless Spells are sort of my jokey-ish one. I hate Bound Endless Spells. They they ruin a one of my favourite mechanics of the game. Um, bound Endless Spells is something that I, I just would like to see go. Because Why I enjoy, is that? I, I enjoy that risk versus reward of you cast Geminids, for example, and it's an amazing spell. But if you want to take that double turn you know they could throw Geminids back in your face. But when you have play against someone who's playing Bound Under Spells for 10 extra points, they oh, they can do whatever they want with them. And that just kind of ruins quite a cool mechanic, in my opinion. Though, though it is only one faction. It is. I understand that. But every time I play them, it makes me want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my okay. that's why I'm saying that's my jokey-ish one, because that's not a cool core mechanic. 
I think the biggest one I'd like to change is how um, Battleshock, uh, the, you know, when you're split, your unit is split apart. Yeah, the coherency test for That's Battleshock. One. Yeah, so I'd like to see that change because it doesn't make sense to me that Jeffrey in the middle has died, so we're all going to leave. Um, yeah, no, like, I, I see. So th- thematically, it doesn't sit right with you. Yeah, so when I'm playing my game and I take, I or I'm forced to take out a model in the middle because a Star Drake has walked in and bit the one guy in the middle tactically because he knew that the rest of the army would run away um so it's so- quite so it's quite interesting that you have um said right at the beginning that you're not a fan of the law and that the game is just a a kind of a series of yeah game mechanics i know right um and now you're using thematic justification to oh yeah uh, to argue against a, a game mechanic so and that's not again that's not criticism it's just it's an interesting an interesting own, take own the criticism because own I the am, criticism absolutely i am a massive hypocrite but um <laughs> but essentially it, it's not even the thematic thing it just really winds me up when i've taken a sing i've had to take this model out because it someone so, so you're saying so for out. the risk the risk of one model to then lose half a unit yes yeah, it just much. sucks so, right so okay so um what do you think that rule was designed to to combat it was definitely designed to combat the uh cheeky stringing uh, daisy, daisy chaining right yeah so, so ha- I, how what what do we introduce into the game to prevent that if, if we're going to remove the star drake biting kind of disappear half a unit thing how do we stop daisy chaining getting back into the game what what other thing do we introduce Hey, I'm not a game developer, I don't know. Um, uh, <laughs> right, let's say you are. Let's say you are. For the purposes so, of this question. So I, I'd probably... Um, if you're going to dish out the criticism, you've got to be able to come up with constructive ideas, how to improve. <laughs> no, that's not what I do here. Um, no, what I'd probably end up doing is something like um, they in the preceding, or whatever that word, in the next movement fade, I'll stop trying to be clever. Sub- subsequent. Um, that's the one. Thank you very much. I'm supposed to be training to be a teacher. This is going well. And it's not um, English teacher you're going to be, is it? Exactly. No, I'm a primary school teacher. So I'm allowed oh, to there we go. Oh, it's just colouring it, isn't it? Exactly. Pretty much. That's why I'm doing it, right? Cool. Um, but yeah, so I think in the the your next movement phase that you can have, um, you have to, essentially, you cannot move. You must move three inches or whatever to get yourself back into that coherency because, you know, doing that. And if you can't, then in the next, then you can't move. And then in the next one, you have to move three inches so essentially you're stuck until you're back into that three inches or that coherency or what if what if you can only do a three inch move essentially like a pile in so you can pile in to make up the gap yeah and if for whatever reason you can't pile in if after piling in there is still a gap you then die see i'd even say now you're stuck and then in the next movement phase you've got to try it again oh i see So, so the unit is fixed in place yeah i think they're sort of sort of shouting at their lads you know See, I'm going back into the narrative just to reinforce my point. Yeah, oh, see? Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're shouting at their friends, like, oi, you guys, come over here. No, you guys come over here. And they're sort of having like a trying to get back into formation. Yeah, okay. See? Right, okay. So it's that's that's really interesting because um, you've just said, hey, I'm not a game designer. And you've just come up with a, a an alternate solu- solution. And I think that's that's really interesting because you just never know what, you know, how the, when the game develops, what, what little sort of tweaks they're going to make. Oh, maybe they should offer me a job. Games Workshop, if you're listening, I need a job. Uh. <laughs> Do you need anyone <laughs> learning how to colouring in? <laughs> yeah, I will teach you. I will teach you all how to play. Because and then oh, there we go. Paint. There we go. There go. Painting Obvious. Warhammer is oh, no, no, don't do colouring in. Like right, it's just colouring in a on a grander scale. You are going to be a primary teacher, primary school teacher. So uh, it's, it seems perfect. So it's a match made in heaven. That's, that's why I love contrast paint so much because it's basically cut paint by number. Oh, contrast paint's brilliant. I love contrast. They're the best things in the world. Fantastic. Right, Adam, thank you yeah. ever so much for 
for joining us uh, this evening to chat all about the Cockroach Meta. Um, it's been really interesting chatting to you. And, you know, we are now like an hour into the podcast for, for what is essentially a, a silly <laughs> meme list. And I think that's really cool because that just goes to show the variety of the game and the lists that you can come up with that you can speak for over an hour about a crazy list like this and like that's just one book there's so much so many more crazy things out there so i'm really looking forward to seeing what other mad ideas you come up with next and look forward to having you back on the on the podcast to uh, to talk about that in the future thank you very much it was great fun i enjoyed it's been it a pleasure take care Thanks for listening to Priority Roll. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at Priority Roll on both Twitter and Instagram. You can send us an email, priorityrollpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priorityroll and leave us a voice message. If you want to leave us some feedback, we're always looking to improve, or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows, then feel free to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening to Priority Roll. Priority Roll.